This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blah! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get hefty, ultra-strong with new Fabuloso lemon scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by Joe Chung from As the Joe Flies and Disney Deciphered. A lot to discuss this week. Joe, how uh, how you doing? Doing pretty well. Um, my kids are miserable with allergies. Actually, four out of the five in our family are like miserable with allergies, and um, I have none, so I, I feel really bad. Actually, you know, to the point where like I almost kept someone home from school today. Because they were so miserable. And I got a call from this school today. And I thought it was going to be... Because I, I told her, I was like, just call me if you need to come home. Um, so it is pretty brutal. Which uh, brings me to my random... I don't live in the Southwest question of the day. Are there allergies in the desert? Do you even have trees? <laughs> yeah, we do. And allergies are bad. And I've been congested for weeks. You know, I had COVID. So I thought it was that. But uh, my congestion hasn't gone away. And... I've been suffering pretty bad from allergies this year. Uh, we do have a lot of uh, trees that have pollen. And back in like the 70s and 80s in Las Vegas, I don't know the names of the trees. I'm not that much of an expert, but they used to plant these trees that had crazy amounts of pollen. So if you live in an area that was built, you know, 30, 40 years ago, it tends to be a little bit worse. And they've banned a lot of those trees now. So in the newer areas, a lot less pollen. But uh, yeah, I live in an area that there's a ton of big trees and pollen everywhere. And it's no fun. So uh, as we continue our botany slash urban planning hour for uh, the Miles to Memories podcast. So like all these trees, I guess, do you have to like have everything irrigated? Like, you know, because you don't naturally have rain, right? So, I mean, I'm sure it's like low water, but you're not, they weren't planting cacti, right? So, you know, these trees, I mean, do things get watered regularly? Like how does it even work in Vegas? Yeah, we do have sprinklers, Joe. It's okay. We do have uh, that that modern technology. I don't know if you have a water irrigation. shortage like California, though. You know, except for no. this, except for this spring where you know it's been raining like crazy in California. But yeah, we do. And I mean, back in the day, that's why they used to plant these big trees that were water hungry. You used to see grass everywhere here, and slowly they've been uh, outlawing all of that stuff. So, like my yard has big pine trees and aspen trees, a lot of trees that don't naturally grow in Las Vegas. Um, and so, yeah, it's all irrigated, also have grass, but in new builds, they're not allowed to do that. But there are a lot of like water conscious trees and plants that you can put in that are much more friendly for the desert landscape. So that's more what you can do, but it's, yeah, heavily restricted. And, you know, a lot of people are taking out grass and I'm considering doing it because the water bills have gotten crazy because what they do, instead of passing a lot of like, tell you, you can't use water, they just price the higher tiers at insane levels. So anybody who has like big lawns like I do in these older neighborhoods are really getting uh, the screws put to them. And so, yeah, I'm considering some fake grass options. There's some better alternatives than there used to be ones that don't look quite like carpet, but it's not the same as having a lawn. And that was one of the reasons I love the neighborhood I'm in. And slowly one by one, the houses are removing the lawns just because it's gotten so expensive. So you'd put like turf down or pavers or, um, and, Another aside is I always, you know, I've obviously most of my friends live in the suburbs and there are a lot of downsides to city living. But one of the main reasons why I enjoy living in a more urban area is because I do not have to deal with landscaping. My kids planted like six tulips and that's what we got. And uh, we are good with a little planter in front of our house. But but yeah. Um, so, yeah. Do you lay turf down? Yeah, that would be the idea to lay turf. We have about 2,500 square feet of grass right now, which is quite a lot, about a quarter acre lot. So, uh, you know, it's, again, I love it, but uh, it's getting really expensive and more of a pain. And I've found a few different turf options that look halfway decent. And right now they'll pay you, it won't cover the whole cost, but they do pay you a little bit to remove grass, you know, to save water. So uh, it's probably a good time. So that's something I'm going to look into this fall when I get back from traveling. Uh, but uh, yeah, allergy is a big thing here. 
and uh, I guess everywhere. I heard that allergies are up, like everybody's suffering from allergies a lot more than they used to, and there's a lot of theories about that, which I don't know if we want to go into, but... Uh, let's, let's not let's not anger anyone <laughs> today. But I will say I'm always curious about these kinds of things. So if you live in a different biome than Sean or myself, uh, maybe you're an MTM Diamond member, you're on Slack, you know, let us know what what is your weather like and how does that affect your landscaping and the trees that you can build. Home and garden segment over. What's up, Sean? Yeah, I'm hoping that Japan, when I go there with all the cherry blossoms, I've never had allergies there, so maybe. Tokyo, maybe that fresh Japanese air will be good to like clear me out and get rid of this congestion finally. Yeah, yeah. Are, I don't know. are you going to be gone by the time this comes out on Thursday? Yeah, I leave tomorrow. We're recording this Monday, and uh, we leave at 7 a.m. tomorrow for our flight to, to San Francisco and then on to Haneda, as we talked about. So uh, looking forward to that. And I'll be able to talk on future shows. In fact, I'm going to have Jasmine on the show in a few weeks, and we're going to talk about Japan and the JAL uh, the business class experience. Some of the hotels like the Hyatt Centric Ginza, Hyatt Regency out by Tokyo Disney, some of the other stuff we're doing in Japan. So we'll talk about that on an upcoming show to kind of recap what we're doing here. But yeah, it's uh, I'm excited finally getting back out on the road and uh, everybody who's listening to this podcast is tired of hearing me talk about Japan. So, or at least talk about going to Japan. So I'll finally get there tomorrow. Speaking of people getting sick of me talking about uh, trips that I'm considering planning, um, the New Zealand Australia saga continues, Sean. I may now like so I've been noticing, and um, I want to shout out all the people. People have been sending me like whenever they see deals for like New Zealand or Australia. I appreciate that, everybody. Um, I really do. That being said, nothing has worked out yet. So I am approaching the point where, like I said, I have two flights home from there. So getting home, no problem. I'm reaching the point where I'm considering. Uh, I totally forgot that this existed, but New Zealand Air New Zealand has the Sky Couch, and my kids are pretty small, and so I'm getting to the point where I'm like, maybe I should just pay for economy, and then like for the Sky Couch, like if you have a family of three, like if you're taking up three seats anyway, it's only two hundred dollars extra for the Sky Couch, and if you have two seats, it's like five hundred dollars. You know, it goes up. Like if you have one person and you want to book the whole Sky Couch. Um, it's still not as expensive as buying three seats. So, you know, if you're a solo traveler to New Zealand, that's something you might want to do. But if you don't know, Air New Zealand has these things called sky couches. Everything is totally economy except for it can roll out to be a couch. And, like, actually these the leg cushions come up so they basically go all the way up to the um, seat in front of you. I'm not sure how that works with kicking and stuff like that. But you can, like, lie down. Um, on that. And I was thinking, you know, I've seen, you know, I've seen all three of my kids fit in one twin bed, um, you know, on one of their crazy and weird nights. So maybe that's something we can do. So this is the, this is the newest option on the table, Sean, uh, for what I'm thinking about for how to get New Zealand. So I do have a hotel now though. I booked, uh, I can't remember. Is it a Grand Hyatt? Oh, we talked about it. That, that Hyatt in, that Hyatt in Auckland. Park Hyatt. So yeah. I, yeah, we, we talked about this already, so forget that. But uh, yes, getting closer to having flights down there. I'm like so mentally committed at this point that it's going to be, you know, I don't know, though. It's still, even if we were in business class, it's still a long flight, and uh, we'll see how it goes. But, you know, it's fun just thinking about it. It just keeps me busy. Yeah, sometimes the planning is uh, part of the fun. And the thing about long flights is that you can, like, really dread them as they're coming up. But, you know, you get on the airplane and you somehow survive it, whether you're in economy or in business class or wherever you're at. And then on the other end, you're you're there. And, you know, as much as you build up to it or don't want to do it, I've been in some, you know, I think the longest economy flight I've done is 14 hours, Amsterdam to Hong Kong. And I've done quite a lot of, you know, 10, 11, 12 hour economy flights and they suck. But, you know, at the other end, you get there, you recover, you have fun. And, you know, that's why I, I think people focus too much in this hobby sometimes on the product. It's always nice. Like I'm flying in Japan Airlines business class tomorrow. So glad I'm doing that as opposed to economy. But, uh, you know, I would do it the other way. And I've certainly flown from uh, the U.S. to Japan in economy a couple of times. So that's not a, a huge deal. For me, it's about the destination, getting there. And, you know, if you can do it in comfort, great. If you have to fly in economy, you know, not so great, but it works out anyway. And even kids, you know, they're resilient. Uh, the Sky Couch is kind of cool. I had forgotten about that too. It's been quite a few years since they launched that. 
I wonder, you know, for me, the, the, the big problem is I'm six foot two. So even like when I get lucky enough to have a row of three by myself on a plane and I try to lay down, it just doesn't work because my feet are sticking out into the aisle. But I guess when you have that extra space, the extra width with the foot area being took up, you could kind of tuck your legs in if you're a taller person and get your feet out of the aisle because there's nothing worse than like laying down and people are bumping your feet as they walk by. Yeah, it's only five foot one uh, across. So, you know, that's even I'm pretty short, but that's still too small for me. But I was thinking about it more for the kids like I have I can survive an economy flight like just sitting up the whole entire time and you know, I'll be grumpy, but I'm an adult. So theoretically, uh, that grumpiness isn't going to like severely affect me. I'm just thinking, you know, for the kids, like if we can at least have them lie down and sleep for like five or six hours, because they're going to be dealing with jet lag, no matter what, like, you know, how kids are when they're grumpy, right? They are unmanageable. Like they're not, they're not reasonable. They're not reasonable human beings uh, for the most part when kids get grumpy. So for the sky couch, I was thinking more, you know, it would be good for them. And I was thinking that like, it could even be, um, and shout out to summer hull because I was looking for reviews on the sky couch and I found one from her on the points guy. And she was like, I might book this instead of booking premium economy. And I was thinking about it for my kids. And it's like, yeah, like it's probably better for them to lie down on something like this. than you know, what's the difference between, um, four inches of recline and six inches of recline to them, like nothing. What's the difference with the, uh, you know, the food options and premium economy? Like they don't care about that. So, you know, um, definitely I, the, the real problem I'm having now is like, I want to find two sky couches in a row and looking at how things are booked. Like they're all spread out over the plane. And like, I think that that might, um, move us off this, but yeah, it's a good option and a good thing to know that exists. I actually, honestly, if I had remembered this existed in January, we might not even be having this conversation. I might've already booked it. Yeah, it's unique, and it's a, just a reminder that there are more things out there, you know, to discover as far as travel. There's always a solution, right? Yeah, I, I hope you get to do it. So you said it was $200 each, so like $600 for three people in the row if you did it? If we did our family of five and we booked the Sky Couch and then had two separate seats, it's only $200 extra. And I guess our kids could take turns. Looking for two Sky Couches and one extra seat, I think it was going to end up being like $600 extra. Um I should start by saying that these freaking prices are $1,000 one way in economy. It's like pretty brutal to start with. But if we're going to commit to that already, our flights home are on points, so we don't have to worry about it. I think the majority of our hotels are on points, so we don't have to worry about it. And this is, um, I think I mentioned, you know, I have relatives in Australia, so it's not only like we're going for fun. Like I haven't seen them in a very long time. Uh, one of them visited me here in Boston, um, a long, like a few years ago, but other than that, I haven't seen them since we were kids. So it'd be good to see them again. My parents are getting older. They want to go back and, you know, it'd be a whole family thing. So, you know, there are important reasons to go, which you know, normally I'm not like going out of my way to pay a thousand dollars one way times five. But, uh, if we're going to do it, you know, an extra $600 for the sky couch, uh, or two sky couches seems like a pretty good deal. And this is another reason that flexible points are so cool that you can cash them out and offset these types of costs and gives you more flexibility than looking specifically at award space, especially now when it's become so difficult to, to find award space to certain destinations. And I'm looking, going from Japan, I still haven't booked, but I think we're going to go to Macau and then to Hong Kong. And, you know, the best deal there is to fly from Osaka directly to Macau on Air Macau, which, you know, is not the greatest airline in the world, but... Being able to fly into Macau instead of flying into Hong Kong and having to take the boat back across, it just saves time. It makes it a lot easier. I was shocked to see the hotel prices in Macau and Hong Kong right now are still significantly cheaper than they were pre-COVID. I thought they had probably recovered a lot more than they had. I was looking at the St. Regis in Macau on MX FHR was like $190 for a night where uh, you also get the $100 credit, free breakfast. The Four Seasons was like $220 for the night. Even Wind Palace, which to me is the finest example of a casino hotel resort, uh, it's just an incredibly beautiful place, it was like 240 a night. So I might have to spend a few nights in Macau just to hotel hop between all the luxury hotels there. Wind Palace has been on my bucket list, so uh, you know I want to stay there. But the St. Regis, I've never stayed at a St. Regis, and I've only stayed at Four Seasons a couple times, so may have to do that. And you know, it's not often you can see hotels of that quality. For those prices and in macau they really know how to do 
luxury hotels pretty well. And then even in Hong Kong, I was looking at the hotel prices, you know, significantly cheaper than they were just a few years ago. So if you're headed to that area, they just haven't seen that bump. They probably will by the end of this year where you'll see everything go back or even higher like we've seen in other markets. But uh, yeah, Hong Kong Disneyland's calling my name, Joe. Yeah, drink. I wonder if it I like it seems like you're going at like the perfect time because like Hong Kong just reopened in the past month, like completely. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't follow Macau News as closely, but I imagine it's similar. And so and even if not, like people hit both so often that they probably like have a, you know, effect on each other. So it seems like you're going at a really great time. I, I agree with you. I think by this time next year, it'll probably be back because like, you know, look at what we're seeing with domestic stuff like prices have just been going up because we're apparently entering a recession but people are still traveling a lot or at least willing to spend money uh on travel or (laughs) willing to spend what people are charging us to travel so i think that will be awesome um the worst seasickness i've ever had this is probably maybe only going to help one of you in your entire life but the worst seasickness i've ever had in my entire life was taking one of the hydrofoils from Hong Kong to Macau. It felt terrible. And it was only like, I think it's only like an hour or two. Like, it, you know, the reason why you get seasick is because it goes so fast. But uh, yeah, if you uh, get seasick easily, just take a plane between Hong Kong and Macau or take a slower boat. Don't take one of those hydrofoils. I just remember, you know, I was, I was like a teenager or something like that. But, you know, I still remember it to this day. So. Yeah, I've taken those hydrofoils quite a few times and they are fun and they're, you know, very wild. But now the bridge is open between Macau and Hong Kong. And I haven't had a chance since it opened a couple of years ago uh, to, to do it. I watched them build it for many years. So I want to try to do that. And I think the hydrofoils are delayed a lot right now because they're building that third runway at Hong Kong International Airport. And so it makes them not be able to go as quickly. Uh, but uh, it, it is a cool way. And they're only about, like you said, about an hour in between the two. And the restrictions are the same. They're pretty much open now. Uh, Even mainland China is open uh, as far as COVID stuff. So you don't really need to do anything. Japan just got rid of all of their restrictions. So, uh, you know, unless you, they all have temperature checks, stuff like that at the airports. So be prepared for that. Uh, If you're sick, they're probably going to ask you to wear a mask in any of those places or cultures. But, you know, as far as going there, you don't need to be vaccinated anymore. Uh, You don't need to show a COVID test. You just basically show up with the, at least with the U.S. passport. So uh, it's good to see it all open. And China, I didn't even realize this, but they've reinstated all the 10-year visas. So if anybody out there has a 10-year visa like me, I'm not planning to go to mainland China on this trip, but uh, those are all reinstated, which is really good. So I was a little concerned that they were going to do away with those and make people reapply, but they're not doing that. So yeah, I think that whole area is just going to boom over the next year as Chinese domestic tourists start leaving the country again and tourists from all over Asia plus in the Western uh, countries start going there. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, As people know, I love being in that area. I was in Hong Kong just about every year from 2013 to 2019, sometimes multiple times in a year, just passing through there. Cathay Pacific first class was my go-to product, but unfortunately Cathay award space has not been good. So it's not very easy to to find flights there, but uh, hopefully that will start to recover now too. I'm surprised the airline actually survived COVID. So uh, good to good to see that they're still there. And I'll report back on all that stuff. I haven't booked the Air Macau flight. The crazy thing about Air Macau is when you go to their website to try to book it, they're not part of any airline partnerships. They were kind of a budget carrier these days. They require you to put your phone number in to get an SMS code. This is very common in China. But unfortunately, it doesn't work. Every time I put a phone number, a U.S. phone number, It has the option for that, but I never get the text message, so I can't even book the flight directly with the airline. So I have to book with a a travel agent, like an OTA, like Kiwi.com or something like that. So that's the reason I haven't done it yet, but I think I will. And Macau Airport is super convenient if you're going to like the Kotai Strip to all of the casinos there. It's basically five minutes away, and now they have a metro, too, that connects it to the mainland Macau. And uh, so it's a really cool way to do that. If you do fly into Hong Kong, you can take one of the hydrofoils directly from Hong Kong airport to Macau. So you don't actually have to go into Hong Kong. You don't even have to cross the border into Hong Kong. You can just get to Macau straight from there. So a little inside uh, Macau, Hong Kong baseball there. Yeah. And when we're, while we're doing 
random niche uh, stuff to know about traveling in Asia. I looked it up while you were talking, Sean, because I was curious. They have reinstated that, uh, and this is for mainland China, so not um, Hong Kong and Macau. Or, I mean, Hong Kong and Macau have different their own rules. For mainland China, it looks like they have reinstated their temporary, like, I guess it's 144 hours now, at least the website that I found, visa. So, like, if you go to Shanghai and you're transiting for, like, two days, is that how – did did you use that to – oh, no, you probably had the 10-year visa. Um, but, you know, you could conceivably fly into Shanghai on your way to somewhere else, spend two or three nights there using that 144-hour visa, visit you-know-what, Shanghai Disneyland, and then uh, – and, of course, all the other things that are in Shanghai – that are uh, more culturally important and then be on your way. Yeah, we did that in 2019. I did have my 10-year visa, but Jasmine and Ellie didn't. And so we did use the transit there and we did Hong Kong to Shanghai. Uh, they had a few, we had a few days there and then Shanghai to Tokyo. And then we did all the Disney parks within a week of each other. But it wasn't a big deal as far as the transit goes. We were even able to go through the same line. So my visa plus them transiting, it worked really well. I would hope that it all works the same as it did now post-COVID. It's just a lot of energy to go into mainland China for a couple days. Um, you know, there's just a lot to go through when going through the border. And, you know, it's a big commitment of energy. So I don't know if we're going to do it on this trip. But now you have me like pining for that because I, I, I do want to go to Shanghai Disneyland again, but it, they haven't built anything new since I was there in 2019. So maybe I'll, I'll hold off to the future. But Shanghai is an incredible city if you've never been there. Lots of cool European architecture it's definitely the most cosmopolitan city in all of China. Almost doesn't feel like the rest of China at all. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. I visited Shanghai in the 90s, like as a kid, and it felt super Western to me. Like even as a kid who like did not understand anything about geopolitics or culture or like anything like that. You know, I'm just a dumb 12-year-old. Shanghai felt like a Western city just with all the signs in Chinese. So, so you're right. It, it does feel more cosmopolitan, very different. Like, and I went to Beijing as an adult and it, it didn't feel the same way as at least my kind of, you know, your memories as a kid are more like vague feelings and stuff like that. But um, you bring up a good point there about Shanghai. I got to get back. Yeah. And the soup dumplings, of course, are amazing at even like random shops that you go to. Uh, all over the place and but you have every western brand every these big skyscrapers and yeah beijing and shanghai are very different they're both very different i think than a lot of the second and third tier cities obviously around china a lot of chinese big cities sort of feel the same you have a lot of the same apartment blocks same types of things but beijing you get that i guess it feel you know you have washington dc looks feels very different than the rest of the us too because you have the government buildings you you feel the presence of the government in beijing feels like a more official city. And then Shanghai feels like they're cosmopolitan. Maybe they're New York or something like that. Uh, but both cool cities to visit. And, uh, you know, going to Beijing, seeing the Great Wall, certainly something I know a lot of people aspire to do. And it does live up to the hype. It's really cool. And there's a lot of other stuff around there. And then Shanghai is just surrounded by all kinds of cool things. And, uh, yeah, it's going around the Bund and all of that. Highly recommended. So, Joe, I think I'm talking myself into going to Shanghai in a couple of weeks uh, on my way down. Sorry, to Hong Jasmine Kong. and Ellie. <laughs> You're going to get no. dragged along. Let's talk a, a few different stories that we have to talk about. Uh, we talked about airplanes, Air New Zealand. Southwest is finally uh, modernizing, getting into 2023. What do you think that they are adding that maybe they should have added 15 years ago to their planes that they're making a big deal out of? Uh, well, I know it's not uh, pre-assigned seating <laughs> because, uh, you know, like that is their calling card. I'm going to guess, and I don't know Southwest well enough, so I might be wrong about this, but in-flight entertainment, question mark? No. I mean, they do, I think, have a version of that on their internet, and I don't think that they're going to add TVs or anything, but they're adding USB ports because none of their planes have power at the seats. Uh, you know, that's sort of their claim to being a budget airline, I guess, but they haven't been a budget airline in quite a long time. But on all their 737 MAX planes, they're adding USB-A and C ports, which is kind of cool that you're going to get USB-C too. Uh, but, you know, this is something that, how long have planes had power ports? Like quite a long time. So uh, they're well, you know, it's good to see them modernizing, but uh, something they should have done a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, that's good to hear. And if they have USB-C, they'll actually be ahead of the curve because, you know, most uh, airlines don't have that. So 
That's that's good to know. You know, it's funny. I don't even. It's almost. It's good to have, but it's almost like too late. Like, who doesn't travel with a battery pack these days? You know, you just always have it just in case um, if you're a regular traveler. So it's funny, but it, it is good to have. Um, and so good for them for uh, entering the 21st century. Yeah, for sure. And so uh, only on their 737 Max planes. So the older planes aren't going to get it, but it's a good development. And a lot of people aren't used to that. A lot of people aren't expert travelers or, you know, you forget your power thing or you forget to charge it. It's nice to be able to just plug in at the seat. And it, it does seem like something every plane should have, even on low cost carriers. Although I don't think Spirit, Frontier, Allegiant have it. So at least Southwest will uh, look good compared to them. So this week is uh, Rakuten's big, oh, I said it wrong, Rakuten's big give week. And uh, they do these a few times a year where they have these big promotions. And I think it's worth mentioning because if you have friends who don't use Rakuten, they have an increased referral offer, $40 or 4,000 membership rewards points if you do that. But also Dell is at 15% as of now. Now they do change these throughout the week. So this is coming out Thursday, but it is running uh, through the entire week. So hopefully Dell will stay increased at 15%. I saw Lego was up to 20% yesterday. Adidas at 20%. Even uh, Expedia and Orbitz for activities are at 15 to 20%. So if you're looking to book activities through one of those travel agencies, now could be a good time for that. So uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of good deals there. And it's always uh, something worth considering. But if you do have those Dell credits to use, this is really the time because you'll get 15x Rakuten. And there is still, there's a new Amex offer as well, uh, that 10% back that new people are being targeted for as well. So potentially you could do even better. You know, buying Xbox gift cards is a way a lot of people did this in the past. It's been sort of mixed results lately, a lot of order cancellations. But uh, even if you're buying stuff that you just want and you get the full credit, getting the 15X plus potentially 10% back with an Amex offer. This is probably the best time to do it, uh, considering you only have about two months left to use that first $200 credit of the year on your business platinum cards. Okay, normally we talk about stuff like this, and I never do it, but my wife wants a pair of Bose headphones because she's jealous of mine, and I've actually found out they work really well for the kids on flights, Um, and they work better than the cheap ones that we buy for the kids that they end up breaking and losing anyway. Like we, we keep the Bose headphones and just give it to them when it's time to use. That also is going to get me to fire my Rakuten, Rakuten. I, you know what? You just said the right way to say it. And I don't even know how still. You said it Uh, right the first time. uh, Which I can't even remember which way I said it. Um, But it's time to fire that back up. That account went down when I lost all my membership rewards points temporarily or, you know, whatever nonsense happened with American Express. So, you know, this is good. So by the time we get back from Japan, Sean, I am going to say this uh, big week thing runs until May 15th. So you're listening to this on Thursday. You still have the whole weekend to do it. Me, Joe, recording this on May 8th. I have a week to do this, get this all set up, get my wife some new headphones, get my Rakuten account back up and running, Get take care of my Dell credits for uh, the first half of the year. So... I'm doing it this time, Sean. Yeah, I have a couple I still need to do as well. So I need to either figure out if I'm going to try the gift card route or uh, if there's something else I need to try to buy. I, I have to, sometimes you got to get creative, which is a little frustrating. I spend way too much time like surfing their site and they don't have quite what they used to have at Dell. Like they used to have a lot of other stuff that they don't sell anymore. Drones and TVs and a lot of other cool stuff. But I know a lot of people end up getting light bulbs. Uh, you know, the hue light bulbs and maybe I'll do some more of that, but I don't, it feels like a waste to me. I'd much rather, I love the days where I could just get gift cards, sell them. And then it turned into some sort of cash. All you switch owners, you can see if they sell the new Zelda game and maybe buy that that's coming out on Friday. So there you go. Uh, yeah. So uh, definitely check it out. And like I said, that referral bonus, don't overlook that. If you have just normie friends who aren't on Rakuten you can get 4,000 membership rewards for referring them if they use it. And with these increased cashback rates, a lot of people might be looking at, you know, it's not just, there's hundreds of stores that are increased 15, 20%. So become a little bit of a salesman and uh, maybe earn some points and tell all your friends about, uh, about the deal. These are better than rates that you'll find pretty much all year. And so it is a deal worth talking about. Uh, it, there's, this isn't sponsored by Rakuten or anything, but 
this is a, always a fun time when they have these promos. I, I wonder if they're loss leaders. I don't know how they pull this off. Obviously, they're a big company, so maybe they're able to negotiate better rates than the other portals. And, you know, it's good promotion. That's why companies use portals, right? It's advertising for them. But I always wondered what the economics of all this was when they're able to offer these huge cashback rates that are significantly more. Oh, one other thing. LifeLock is back to 95% back on Rakuten. So you can get 95x membership rewards for a membership. And uh, because I've had some issues with potential uh, identity theft recently, uh, I decided, nothing crazy, but I just decided to finally pull the trigger on that. It's basically free the first year if you factor in the value of the points. So uh, yeah, that's definitely something. That that comes along every few months. It's usually at 30 to 40% back. So 95X membership rewards, not bad. Yeah. Uh, for the loss leader thing, I hate to say it, but I bet you they're just like mining our data and our clicks and, you know, selling that information to someone. So um, that's probably what it is. But the less I think about that, the better, because uh, ignorance is bliss. I'm going to go kill a bug, but introduce the next section. So Benji got back from Memphis, uh, our meetup in Memphis, and immediately wrote this article about his 2023 travel grievances, which makes me think that he had uh, he ran into a lot of things that annoyed him. But it's always fun to talk about this stuff. And uh, speaking of stuff you don't want to hear about, Joe, every restroom apparatus is automatic. So he talks about these are some of the things that, you know, you sort of run into when you're traveling all the time and that get on your nerves. And certainly going into a bathroom where people don't flush the toilet is something that happens all the time in the airports. Uh, and so he, he mentions that. Uh, he mentions people not helping with luggage. You know, people, first off, people like packing these oversized luggage. Have you ever been on the plane and, you know, you have this like five foot woman trying to put her carry on up in the thing and it weighs like a hundred pounds and, you know, Sometimes people don't want to help out, but also be a little bit more mindful of the way you pack and, you know, people touching things at buffets with their hands. I think he had a really rough trip to Memphis coming back with all of all of this stuff. People not washing their hands, people putting their feet everywhere. I, I mean, these are all things I see quite often, so I, I don't blame him for writing about this. But, uh, you know, it's it's all uh, it's, it's sometimes it just sucks to be around a lot of people when you're traveling. <sighs> In like typical Benji fashion, some of these are like so random. I will support like I just do not like before the pandemic happened. I don't understand why people didn't wash their hands after they went to the bathroom. Okay, but let's just say you know you didn't think of doing that back in 2019 when you know we were in a different time. A lot has happened since then, and people are still like you know he said he can only attest the males, and yeah, me too. But, like, a lot of people are still not washing their hands. I was in Gillette Stadium um, watching a New England Revolution game, and I noticed there's a hand sanitizer thing, you know, by the door on the way out. And they're like, we saw you didn't wash your hands. Use this. Right? It's just like – it's just I, – I, apparently it's acceptable behavior in some circles. Um, and I don't understand. And I've seen people come out of the stall and not wash their hands. Okay? Like, I just, I just can't with this, Sean. Like – I, I agree with Benji on this. Um, all the other ones are just kind of like random gripes, which are generally uh, um, hygiene related. Like he uh, said, people don't use tongs at buffets. Uh, I've never seen that. If I saw that, I would probably just leave. Um, that is also quite disgusting um, because they probably are the same people who didn't wash their hands in the bathroom. So, yeah, um, it is pretty funny. And on the automatic uh, sink things, I can never get them to turn on because apparently I'm dead inside. The funny thing about tongs, though, is, right, I mean, if their hands are dirty, they're touching the tongs, you're touching the tongs, so it's not like you're not getting the germs one way or the other. Well, you know who does it right, you know? If we go back to Asia, yeah. like, you go to a bakery in Asia, um, and they give you, like, a little tray, and then there are, like, plastic gloves for you to put on before you use the tongs, um, or, like, you, like, or, or you, like, they give you pieces of... Um, not tissue paper, but and not parchment paper, but you know that like medium um, strength paper stuff to like pick up all your stuff, and you put all your stuff on the tray, and then you go check out. So you know if you check out a uh, any bakery in Asia, or they do it for you, but some of them are like self serve, but they still have it all set up so that like you know like in um, I'm, I'm sure you've done this, but uh, in Hong Kong Disneyland when we bought a turkey leg, 
um, they gave us a glove, like they gave us a plastic glove to eat it with, you know, so they think about all that kind of stuff in Asia. Yeah. And a lot of bakeries too, like in mainland China will have, uh, everybody gets their own tongs and then, so you get your tray, you get your tongs. Oh, and you're right. You, you, you turn right. those this, in at the register and they yeah, wash them. This is yeah. pre-pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I'm I'm not big into turkey legs. I once had one at Disneyland and got That's sick That's the last one I've had, then, by the way. That's the last yeah. one we've had. That was like 10 years ago. It, it, it just turned me. I got sick and I, I can't ever do that again. But yeah, it, it's, it's all very interesting. The one thing that I never thought about is shoes, right? And how dirty shoes are. And, you know, like sitting on floors in airports and... My friend, my my really good friend I travel with all the time riding roller coasters, he's kind of a little bit of a germaphobe. And uh, when we were in Newark Airport, we got stuck there for hours a couple years ago. I think I even talked about it on the podcast, but there was nowhere to sit. And it was like, you know, it was double the amount of people that the terminal could hold. And the only place to sit was like on the floor. And I went to go sit on the floor and he looked at me like I was like the biggest idiot in the world. And then ever since that moment, I've thought a lot about how dirty floors are and shoes are and you know so people putting their feet everywhere even their with their shoes or without their shoes uh, it's never fun but i try not to think about all the crap that's on the bottom of people's shoes but if you think yes. about it especially in airports how dirty they are there is so much uh, going on there yeah ignorance is bliss i mean that's why uh we take off our shoes when we go into the house as good asian people but um you know what's funny in Asia or even China, you'll see it in Chinatown uh, in the States. People will sit outside on the street or like on the sidewalk or whatever. But, uh, you know, if you go to Chinatown, you'll see all these um, old Chinese people will either be, I mean, actually, honestly, they're probably squatting. But if they're not squatting, when they sit down on the floor, they actually lay newspaper down. But um, if you think about it, even though newspaper is generally understood to be like kind of dirty, you know, you, or at least for me, back when I was a kid and was reading comics in the newspaper, I would always wash my hands after. But uh, that is still cleaner than sitting on the floor directly, the sidewalk directly. You lay the newspaper down and you sit on it. So just think about that next time you sit on the floor. Although, honestly, when our kids are exhausted in the airport or whatever, they're like rolling around on the floor. And we're just, you know, that's why it's like straight in the shower whenever we get to our destination. As you say, ignorance is bliss. You know, I, I liked my life before I thought about this stuff. Uh, so this shout why, out to this my friend I don't Dave make, for screwing it up for me. Yeah, this is why I don't make friends, Sean. Then no, no one has to shatter my illusions <laughs> of how the world works. All right, let's talk quickly about Las Vegas because I spent this entire week on the Strip. And, you know, I talk all about Vegas on the YouTube show a lot. So not going to go into too much. But I do think there's some relevant things uh, for the Miles and Points audience here. Starting with a new Amex offer for MGM Resorts. Now, there's two versions of it. There's a regular one that's... $80 statement credit on a $400 spend, and that's at their normal properties in Las Vegas, but also outside of Las Vegas, you know, the one by you up in Massachusetts, Beau Rivage, Gold Strike, uh, Borgata up in Atlantic City. And then they have the luxury one, which is $140 statement credit with a $700 purchase. And that's at places like uh, Aria, well, that's just Aria and Bellagio. Uh, so Cosmo not included yet in all of this, but you got to book direct with them, uh, a good way to save you know, basically 20% on uh, your MGM stays. So that's uh, always nice to see. And that just came out. So make sure you check your Amex cards. And then Joe, I stayed at Wynn Las Vegas this week and I stayed for four nights. I don't think I mentioned this on the other the past show, but if I did, I apologize. But the cash rate for the four nights I stayed there was $3,500 all in. And it was free for me. And the reason it was free for me, not from gambling or anything, was from status matching in Atlantic City. Now, I talked on a previous show about my MSC cruise that I got from Oceans. Well, when you match to Ocean Prime in Atlantic City, you also get two free nights at Wynn. Both Jasmine and I did that. And so we got four free nights at Wynn, $100 credit. And like I said, just it just happened to be $3,500 cash rate for those nights. Now, I've talked about this before, but just as a quick recap, you if you have like Caesars Diamond status, uh, and I believe this still works, you can go to Hard Rock, in Atlantic City matched there to their Rock Royalty. They may have switched over to Unity, but whatever that tier is. And then uh, you go from Hard Rock to Oceans and Oceans will match you to Prime. And then when you get Prime, you get the free MSC Cruise plus two free nights. So it was really cool to do that. Got to check out Wynn Las Vegas's new renovated rooms, which, you know, I always thought Wynn was the best hotel in Las Vegas. And, and for purposes of this conversation, I consider Wynn Encore as one property. 
Uh, but this just reinforced it. It really is a respite from the craziness that is Las Vegas right now. There's so many people everywhere. And it always shocks me how well they keep service standards up, considering you're talking about a property with four or 5,000 rooms. Everybody says hello. Everybody smiles at you. And, you know, when you go outside, it's just craziness. But even when it was busy inside the casinos, inside the property, uh, it was beautiful. And uh, really, uh, so I spent two days by myself. I was out filming, doing a lot of work for our Vegas show, filming a lot of B-roll. Then we had Ellie come in and we did like a one-night staycation as a family. Went to Circus Circus to the Midway, which I love because it looks the same as it did in the 80s when I was a kid. So it brings back lots of nostalgia for me. And then Jasmine and I did a, a night by ourselves on the last night for Cinco de Mayo. And so I got to kind of experience it by myself, with my family, with my wife. And it's just a great thing. And a lot of people might not think about doing Win Las Vegas as a family, but it really is a great place for family. The rooms are really big. They're very comfortable. And the pool area, while not flashy with like water slides or anything crazy, is just like beautiful. You're like in the middle of gardens. And the main pool at Win Las Vegas is huge. There's also pools over at Encore that you can use. So I think it's sort of like a stealth best family hotel pick too. I mean, Circus Circus is across the street. So you have a lot going on there. And I, I really enjoyed it. But the new rooms at Win Las Vegas, they're very Asian inspired, which Win has always sort of been. Uh, but so you're not seeing like the grays like you see in a lot of new hotels, that very ultra modern look. It's very more traditional, more woods, everything really high quality. And uh, I was glad to finally get to check that out. The beds are incredible there. Best bed in any big hotel in Las Vegas as well. And like I said, even just walking down the hallways, every housekeeper says hello. Everywhere you go, smile. We had a couple of small issues at the front desk. Quickly handled, no questions asked, no problems. Um, you know, just uh, just great. The one gripe I have, Joe, is that part of my offer, the resort fee was waived, but then I didn't get to use the internet. I had to pay for the internet if I wanted to use it since the resort fee was waived. But, you know, if that's a benefit of an offer, they should just give you the stuff from the resort fee. So I thought that was a little nickel and dimey and, you know, a luxury hotel of that level should have coffee in the room, but none of the Vegas hotels have coffee in the room. So little Vegas specific things that are kind of annoying, but it does add up to be, you know, I don't know, the best hotel in Las Vegas. If we're talking about a large hotel, obviously there are boutique you know, ultra luxury hotels that you really can't compare something like Wynn to that. Uh, but have you stayed there in the past? I haven't. Uh, I've just visited. And yeah, I mean, it's a great looking property. I guess my question would be for you, like, how can one, like, if people are not status matching or whatever, you know, what is the way to avoid spending $3,500 for four nights? I mean, what are the typical rates? So remind me, I mean, this is just a good, uh, but check out MTM Vegas, youtube.com slash miles of memories to get all your Vegas news. But just a little bit here on the regular MTM podcast. I know summer is high season for Vegas, which never made sense to me because it's so hot. But, um, you know, like I think that's when things are most expensive. But like if people want to stay at the win and they have some flexibility, you know, when are typically good times to go? So historically, the slowest times of the year are going to be early December. So from the beginning, of basically post-Thanksgiving through the week before Christmas, and then in January following New Year through sort of the end of January, with the exception of CES. Um, but what's happening now is that conventions are coming back really strong. So that's what happened at Wynn. Like the first night I was there was a Tuesday, but the rate was like $1,200 for the night. And that's because they had a big uh, conference in the hotel, and most of the rooms were sold out. And then Wednesday, Thursday, we're in like the three to $400 range, I believe. And then Friday night, Cinco de Mayo, I think was like $800. So the things to look, look out, and this I think applies to all Vegas hotels, is there's like landmines in the schedule. There's conferences, and the conference could be specific to the hotel, or you could have a big conference like CES or NAB or so many big conferences there. On the weekends now, it's just packed. So weekends obviously are always high. And a lot of weekends, especially with uh, sports, you know, if it's going to be a Raiders game in town, or this week we have the Golden Knights in their playoffs for the NHL, that can happen. There's also music festivals happening almost all the time. So there's a huge music festival this weekend. So I think the best thing to do is just sort of look at the schedule and, and see it. Now at Wynn, I think during the week, the lowest you'll see is about $250 a night. Uh, during COVID, it was lower. Like you could often get Wynn for $120, $130 a night, which was great. 
Another great way to save is if you do have those Amex FHR credits uh, through your Platinum card, that $200 annual credit, when is on there, I think you get a $100 spa credit. During COVID, you could kind of negotiate with them and say you didn't want to use the spa and they would give it to you as a dining credit. I doubt they're doing that anymore, but I haven't heard any recent uh, data points, but that's a good way uh, to save on there. They do have a little bit of a later checkout to noon for, you know, compared to 11 and a lot of hotels. So you can stay a little bit later, but the pool is great. It's one of the few properties that I feel like you could go to and between Wynn and Encore, the two casinos, you know, the spa, the pools, all the restaurants, like 20 plus restaurants that you could just go to and spend a few days and never even leave and, you know, not really miss out on anything. And, you know, I think that's, uh, it's great. And it's a little quieter there. I had go down to the South Strip to film and uh, it was so crazy. It was really nice to go back to the respite that was when it was just very peaceful at night compared to like where Harrah's and Flamingo and Link and all those areas on the center strip were, you know, all the smells and the sounds and the visual overload that you get going back to when you're just like, ah, you know, and I'm glad that that exists on the strip. And I Cosmo is my second favorite hotel in Las Vegas, but you have the craziness at Cosmo, different atmosphere, different thing you're going for if you stay there. And, you know, I don't think any of the other so-called luxury, we talk about MGM and their quote unquote luxury properties, Ari and Bellagio, they're just not in the same class as Wynn. They're just not in the same class at all as Wynn. So uh, this is a, just a, a high re- highly recommended. Had a great week there. Four nights. The beds are great. The rooms are great. Encore has great rooms too. They're about 100 square feet bigger than Wind Tower. But uh, the Wind Tower, they just renovated their rooms. So they're much uh, newer. And uh, like I said, very Asian, very like lots of woods and, you know, good hard surfaces. Yeah, highly recommended, Joe. You should try it out. You should go to stay at Encore uh, over in Boston and, and report back. Yeah, I'm like, I'm always like, I can't, I can't go to a casino in my own hometown because I have, I worry that I have self control issues, and it's the same reason why I was like, you know what, I'm good if they don't legalize sports gambling uh, here in Massachusetts, which they have since done. But for me, I'm just like, once I. You know, that's why I love Las Vegas um, and even to some degree Atlantic City, because I can go somewhere else, you know, and set a budget and, you know, just be a degenerate for that amount of money. Right. But um, but, you know, it might be nice to just go stay at Encore and, uh, you know, I'll just get just my wallet or something like that. I mean, it would it it's really nice in there. Um, and I imagine the rooms are really nice as well. I mean, I've seen some pictures and stuff like that. So, you know, it might be nice as a staycation. It's I'm waiting for them to. Apparently, uh, though, knowing how things are, it might take 10 years. I'll eventually be able to just walk there, um, you know, about half an hour. But still, I can, like, walk without – without. right now, I, I could technically walk there in, like, 45 minutes. But I have to, like, walk along some pretty congested roads, um, like two-lane highways or two, three-lane highways and stuff like that that, that have sidewalks. But still, I, like, I'm not trying to walk. Um, but once I can walk there, then that would be, like, a perfect staycation. You just walk over there. Um, enjoy drag, drag a luggage 30 minutes for a 30 minute walk. It'd be pretty funny. Um, and then go enjoy it. But yeah, it is really nice. And I mean, Steve Wynn does seem to know, I know, he, I think he's, I, is he problematic? I think I remember at yeah, some point pro- he, was... he and, and he has nothing to do with the company anymore. He doesn't own oh, the company. Perfect. He has zero stock. So he, he got kicked out. Yeah. Perfect. I'm sure he made like a billion dollars off getting kicked out, but as, as these billionaires do, but, uh, yeah. So, um, but every time I've been in one of those hotels, it seemed really great. So I uh, would love to stay there sometime. And, yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, we we need a staycation. I've, I've been thinking, Sean, I have this stupid um, Cat 1 to 7 Hyatt certificate that I need to use up. So I was thinking of, you know, I don't I don't love the Hyatts in Boston, but maybe we'll just take a staycation there, um, either just the two of us or the family, either way, um, just, just to use it up. But there's, I don't even think there's any – I think the highest around here is a Cat 5, but, you know. Better than nothing. These dumb, these dumb certificates. But as a reminder, you can cash those in. I just had one expire that I couldn't find a use for. Uh, I was going to try to use it in San Diego at the Park Hyatt, but that uh, or the Alila, but both were full, and so it expired. And then they do give you twenty thousand points if you're a globalist. Just ask your concierge, or you can ask, uh, you know, on Twitter or wherever. But. So it is worth 20000 which is Cat 5. So if you don't want to actually use it for a Cat 5, mm. you can get the points in your account. 
It's and uh, that's still, still working. That. Yeah, they're still yeah. doing it. I just did it a few weeks ago. So, uh, which sucks because I'm going to Japan where I could have used it for a Cat Six or Cat Seven property, but you know it expired. What can I do? Uh, I'm glad I at least have the points. So, uh, it's all good. Uh, when I go to Macau, hopefully I stay at Wind Palace and I can report back on that. I've been uh, just wanting to stay there for so long. So we'll see. But uh, lots to talk about next week. Lee Huffman from Bald Thoughts is going to be on the show. Really fun show talking about social media, talking about corporate content versus sort of personal blogs and, you know, the impact of social media and all of that. A lot of interesting stuff that we covered there. And in two weeks, Jasmine and I are going to talk. She's going to talk about Memphis, getting stranded there, the travel insurance stuff we're going through. And then we'll talk about our Japan uh, adventures, Japanese airline, Japan Airlines business class, uh, what we do in Tokyo, all of that. So That'll be the next couple of weeks, and then I should be back with Joe at some point in a few weeks. So I will see you then, Joe. Where can people find you when they're not listening to this fine podcast? Well, first of all, didn't know that you're going to do the Jasmine episode the week after, so I'm going to get a little vacation. Thank you. Sean's always nice to get a uh, – I mean, I'm still editing, but, <laughs> you know, it's nice to get a little unannounced vacation. Uh, you can find me at Ask Joe Flies all over social media. Joseph Chung at travelmation.net if you're looking to book a Disney trip or a cruise with cash. Um, Sean, I wish you the best trip. I am super excited for you going to Japan. A little bit jealous, not jealous enough to not take the forced vacation, but a little bit jealous that I'm not going to get to hear about it. Maybe we'll talk about it a little bit. Um, whatever you don't cover with Jasmine, uh, I'd be happy to pick up with you because I'm um, really looking forward to hearing about your trip. Uh, but where can people find you, especially if they want to follow along while you're on your trip? Yeah, we'll see. I'm going to try to do some posts on Instagram, but at Miles to Memories all over social media, definitely on Twitter all the time, uh, at Miles to Memories. And then all of our content, our posts, podcasts, videos, Vegas stuff, everything is at milestomemories.com. If you guys like the show, don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That definitely helps us out a lot. And uh, like I said, Joe and I will be back in a few weeks. Got some really fun shows the next couple weeks with Lee and Jasmine, and I will be gallivanting around Japan, elsewhere in Asia, and then eventually getting to London for my cruise to Norway. So next five weeks is going to be a lot of fun, a lot to talk about on the show. So come back, and uh, we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. See ya. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.